But today, as I've said already, we're starting a brand new series, and we're going to be going for a few weeks on this. Um, And it's a bit of an important topic, because we are going to be talking about the work and the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, because quite honestly, there are a few items of doctrine and theology that are more important to us, or but are very poorly understood when it comes to who the Holy Spirit is and what his work is in our life. Um, and there are very there are a few things that are as there are very few things that are as confusing and as muddled in the way that we explain them. Like I don't know if you've ever tried to explain the Holy Spirit to someone. I remember I was at Bible college and there was this young guy and it was both our first year of, of, um, of Bible college, but he'd come straight out of school. So he was 18. And I remember him saying, oh, I've already written 100 pages on a, a thesis about who the Holy Spirit is. And I went, I'm going, we're not even doing that assignment. We're not even doing that work. And I'm going, how is that going to be explained to someone who you walked you up on the street? Like, it's going to be quite a difficult thing. Um, but even in the church, we can get this wrong. I, I've seen Christians treat the Holy Spirit kind of like the force, like may the force be with you. Um, these Christians see the Holy Spirit that way and they're looking for Jedi that the Holy Spirit is upon more than other people. And they go, oh, you have the Holy Spirit. You must be our, our Christian Jedi that we will follow. I'm going to go with you because you are more spiritually profound, more spiritually in tune with, with the power of, of, of the Holy Spirit. And see, that is not the Holy Spirit. It is wrong on so many levels. There are other people who treat the Holy Spirit like magic. Now, just stay with me for a second, because they begin to treat the Holy Spirit like if they know the right incantation or the right spell or the right prayer, using the right words at the right time. And if I have it all together, then the Holy Spirit will rise up for me as I desire. See, the thing is, when he explained it that way, that is magic. That is not Christianity. But there are people out there who seem to think that they can force a movement of God by the way that they do things. Now, I would never presume that I could move God because God is God and I am me. Now, that's not how the Holy Spirit works and it's not who the Holy Spirit is. Now, um, just before we get to the reading that Jimmy sort of brought our way this morning, I wanted to give a bit of a background and a few verses leading into what we're focusing on today because what we need to realise is that the crucifixion is not far away at this point in time. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's preparing them for what is going to be happening next because the disciples are in a mindset going, do you know what? Um, Jesus is about to conquer everything and we're going to be right next to him and we're going to be ruling and Romans are going to be gone and the Jews are going to respect us and Jesus is going to be king and it's all going to be awesome. Jesus knows what's going to happen next is the cross, which is going to be such a great victory for all of mankind and the disciples don't get that at all. So Jesus starts preparing um, preparing them. And I want to read from John 14, 15 to 20, just a little bit before what Jimmy uh, read this morning. And it says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. 
I will come to you, and before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I also I live you because I live, you also will live. And on that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Now, here's where we get to do a bit of work today. So if you've got your pens and, and your pencils, um, I'm going to be helping you fill, out, fill in the blanks of your notes that were handed out this morning. Well, first things first, what we need to realise, the Holy Spirit, He is God. Now, I want you to really grab onto that. He is God. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a thing, not an it. He is the person of the Holy Spirit and He is God. Now, I'm going to um, grab my pens. I'm going to try and do a bit of drawing today while I'm, I'm sharing with you and hopefully I can multitask well enough to do that. Um, so, we've got... We've, we've actually sort of... Um, we've got something that most of you would be aware of, maybe some of you not. We, we call it the Trinity, which talks about God three in one. So we've got the Father... We've got the Son and we've got the Holy Spirit. So that, that's sort of, um, that is Trinity and they are all God. One God, three in one. So that gets, and that for some people even that concept gets a bit confusing at times. Um, and we sort of go, well, and we worship the one God. We worship the three in one. And I know it might be a bit deep for Sunday for some of you, but and so I'm just going to ask you to stick with me for a little bit. Um, but the Father is God. So if we do another line here, we go, um, the Father is God, the Spirit is God, and the Son is God. So that's... Or anyone struggling yet? So everyone's staying with me for a bit. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. Uh, so then we get to the point though, and this is where we start getting, can get a bit muddled. The Father is not the Son. The Spirit is not the Father. And the Spirit is not, that's an end. Is not the spirit, and, and and it goes around. So all of a sudden, this is where we start to get a little bit confused because how does this work? How do we actually understand this concept? How do we go? The son is not the spirit, but they are all God, and they are all one, and they are all complete. They're all unified. And this is the thing: is what we need to understand, and we need to get to the point, is that how can God do this? I'm at a point where I say, I don't know, but I'm okay with that because he is God. Now, a lot smarter people have tried to sort of work this out. And this was actually, this drawing is based on something that's 1,700 years old. So the Cappadocian fathers put this together to help explain the Trinity and, and what they were doing. But this is the thing. But my mind can't wrap around this at times. And sometimes this is too big for me to try and work out. And I've had little illustrations that I've used to explain how we can understand the Trinity. And they, they explain it to a point, but they always come up a little bit short. So any metaphor you use to explain God, it can only go so far because God is bigger than the metaphor. 
But if God is too big for your mind to comprehend, then he's big enough to be your God. But this is the opposite. If you can comprehend God with your finite mind, then your God is too small to be the God that you need. So if sometimes God confuses you, great. Because that means God is bigger than you. When God says, I've got a plan for your life and you don't understand it, great. Because God knows what he's doing and is bigger than you. And so... Well, the Holy Spirit is God, we've got the Father is God, and, and we've got Jesus is God. And sometimes we sort of break it down further. We've got the Father, He is the Creator, the Son is the Saviour, and the Spirit is the Sustainer, the one that keeps us going. And that's a good way to see it, except the Father also sustains, and the Son also sustains. And, and the Son and the Spirit are both present at creation, and so they also create. And so it, it all gets a little bit wrapped up. But when we look at the Spirit, we need to understand that He was present and He created all things. When you look at Genesis, you actually see that verse, and the Spirit moved across the water. Well, that was the Holy Spirit. He created all things. And then He also sustains all things. And so it's true that we see the Spirit as the sustainer, but the Father and Son are also sustainers. Um, and, and they also do those things, but the Spirit is part of that process as well. Um, now, look again at verse 20 that I just read before. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. On the day of Pentecost, which is next Sunday, we, we, we understand that God came and was present amongst the disciples. And we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit resides in us. And so we've talked about who the Holy Spirit is, but now I want to talk to you about what does the Holy Spirit do. In fact, the Holy Spirit's role and how the Holy Spirit does what he does. So what we need to understand is the Holy Spirit does what the Father or what God does. Now, this first picture may sort of mess up our minds a bit sometimes, but I'm going to go to the second picture, and, and basically this question is what we want to ask is, how does that apply to me? I'll do it up here. Now, in no way is the me being drawn big meant to be any bigger than that. It's so you can read some of the other stuff that will go in it. But what we need to realise, how this applies to me, is that first of all, the Father... is above me. So when we have times when we experience the sovereign God, the God who is authoritarian, and when we see God as king, we are experiencing the presence of the Father. But Jesus, because he was human, because he walked amongst us, Jesus is beside me. Jesus is beside us. He came and walked with us. He put skin on. He has experienced temptation and in every way just as we are tempted. Jesus knows everything about us and he understands because he has become one of us and walked with us and paid the price for our sins. So Jesus is beside me. The Father is above me. But watch this. The Spirit is in me. 
Jesus is telling disciples here in John, I'm going, I'm going to go back and I'm going to go to my rightful spot at the right hand of God. And not long after that, Jesus is crucified. He died, he rose again, and then he ascended into heaven. So you have God the Father in heaven, you have Jesus in heaven, and all of a sudden we're alone. But Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. And so God sent the advocate. Some of your Bibles may say it like this, counsellor or comforter. These are the words that are translated that tell us about the Holy Spirit. He is in me, journeying with me constantly, living inside of me. And so what we need to realise is that this is how God works in that. Um, so the next thing that, that, that the Spirit does, He does what the Father does, but He also draws and unites us with the Father and the Son. Well, how does He do that? He does that by reminding us what he has, Jesus has taught us. And John um, 14, 26, it says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Because the Holy Spirit lives in me, he will teach me what to do in moments that I've never experienced, in moments where I'm overwhelmed, confused or lost. The Holy Spirit is there to teach me how in those situations. The Holy Spirit is there to walk us through that. And it's so powerful, it's so powerful to know that we are not facing these moments alone. Because there are things that we face today that aren't written in the Bible. The Bible does not say anything about Facebook or YouTube or Netflix. It's not in there at all. Um, you can look and it's not, not there. Jesus did not have Wi-Fi. He did not have struggles with phones. He did not have struggles with technology. He doesn't teach about that. But the Holy Spirit who is in us will teach us all things. And he is reminding us of everything Jesus has taught us and is teaching us. Do you, do you realize that is going on? As we go through our day facing situations, he will prompt us maybe not to do something or to do something. And we go, where did that come from? Where was that idea from? It's the Holy Spirit in work in us. The Holy Spirit is teaching us and reminding us of everything Jesus taught us. And not only does that unite us with the Father and Son, when we are truly following the Spirit, it also draws and unites us with each other. You see, in some churches, some churches will argue about anything. Like they spend more time arguing about stuff than actually following God. And when the Holy Spirit is moving, people are not fighting. When people are fighting, whether it's relational, whether they're fighting for their own way in church, their own favourite songs, fighting for position, fighting over what colours we should paint the church or what colours the carpet should be, what time church should start, who should be getting the proper respect for different things, all of a sudden they are fighting because the Holy Spirit is not there. The unity that, that comes to us through the presence of the Holy Spirit um, is when the Holy Spirit is working in us and through us. And when he is working in us, what happens? He is also moving us forward. And when we are moving forward in the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't have the time or the energy to fight each other because we are too busy to keep up, keeping up with the Holy Spirit. And that's a fantastic place for the church to be. Fantastic place. We've talked about who the Holy Spirit, he is God. We, we've talked about um, he is the creator and sustainer. We've talked about his role. He does what God does. He gives us the presence of, of, of God. 
And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2, um, 11, for the Father knows, for, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same one, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. And this is the, this is the kicker. He makes the mind of God known to us because he lives in us. So all of a sudden, we can understand what God wants for us because he is God and he is in us. So that's, the, I suppose, the general idea of the Holy Spirit's role. But the Holy Spirit, we also want to sort of, going back to this idea of me, we want to know what the Holy Spirit's role in my life is. Well, the first thing is we need to understand that he is at work. God never stops working. And so when the Holy Spirit is in us, he is working in us. He's at work in me. He's working to change us. He is God at work in me. He is constantly fixing things. And so like, and this is the thing, he think he, he might be fixing things that are just broke. Maybe you've taken a hit to your faith or you've been, um, um, you've, you've faced a situation that has really broken your heart or, or you're struggling with something brand new. God is constantly fixing things. But he's not only fixing things that are, are broke. They might, they might, he might be fixing things that are broken really badly and maybe they take time to heal. Maybe he's sick fixing things that we're pretending aren't broke. Have you ever done that? Maybe you drive your car and you can hear that noise and you go, I'm just going to rev the car a bit higher so I can't hear the noise and pretend the noise is not there. Sometimes we live like that. There is something broke within us and if I can pretend long, long enough that it's not there, it will go away and it never goes away. Holy Spirit is working in those areas as well. So the Holy Spirit, he is at work and he is God at work through me. And we look at John 14, 27, um, which says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do you realize that if the Holy Spirit is in you, there is nothing for you to ever be afraid of? And this, this verse actually takes on more meaning. Greater is he that is in me, the Spirit who lives in me, than he that is in the world. There is so much peace realizing that, that when we lack peace and, and realizing that, and when we lack peace, we, and when we lack courage, a lot of times it is because we forget who lives in us or it is because we reject the one who lives in us. I'm going to go back to the board just one more time and we, as we finish up today. And when we look at the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and the theology of the Holy Spirit, the reality of the Holy Spirit, Often it gets talked about in this context of power and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we, we saw the power come on the early church. And, and we have some churches who focus on the power of the Holy Spirit as its sole function. Now, a lot of people view it that way and they're out to get the Holy Spirit. But when we have that understanding, this is the problem. We become the villain in that sci-fi movie. The person who's chasing that amulet to get that power for themselves or to chase that crystal or going back to Star Wars at the beginning, we become Darth Vader. Darth Vader was pursuing power for himself, for his own needs. And so when we view the Holy Spirit as power, we're out to get something for ourselves. We actually become the bad guy. 
We need to stop focusing on, on this as an idea, as doctrine of power, and understand it this way. It is a doctrine of surrender. Let me show it to you this way. So, let me go. Now, imagine those walls are all equal. Um, so this, this is actually a, a small house. And this, this is, um, um, so this is the house of your, or your life or the house of your heart. So we've got a living room. We've got bedroom, bedroom, kitchen, and uh, dining. So the tallest thing I've ever done need to worry about. We've got a doorway, and uh, we've got a doorway out. So um, I'm not going to draw the toilets in, because um, you'll get confused over that. Um, so living room. So the thing is, when we come to this idea, when we first come to a point where we Jesus knocks on the door of our heart and says, I want to come in, and the, the idea of salvation, and we receive Jesus in, where do we invite him into? The living room, because that's when we when someone comes to your home, do you invite them into your bedroom? No, and so a lot of times we don't even invite them into the kitchen because the kitchen is where we go. So we'll get to that, but we invite them into the living room. The reason we invite them to the living room, the living room is done so it's the most presentable of the house. Um, some of you may have even had grandparents that actually put plastic over all your furniture so that nothing like dirt could ever get in there. Well, hopefully none of you have plastic over your furniture. Like um, at our house, plastic over the furniture probably would help with kids and dogs. But anyway, but the thing is we invite Jesus into the living room because that's the presentable room. That's where We will invite him into the living room because anyone's welcome into the living room. And so Jesus comes in and he's sitting with us. And so we actually are willing to give him this space of our life. Jesus, you're invited, you're welcome in our living room of our heart. After a while, though, Jesus is, is hanging out at our house and we go, oh, Jesus, I haven't offered you a, a coffee or a tea or a, a cold drink. What would you like? I'll go get it for you. And Jesus said, I'll come with you. And we go, no, um, that, that's not good because um, my kitchen is a real big mess. It's, I haven't done the washing up, the dishwasher unpacked, the bin's probably got full of stuff that's probably been there for a few days. Jesus, you're not allowed in the kitchen. Jesus goes, I'm actually here to help clean up. And we go, no, 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 that's not fine. And Jesus goes, yes, yes, yes. And yes, no, yes, no. And eventually we get to the point we allow Jesus in. And we give him that space. We go, oh, that's great, that's fantastic. And Jesus is growing in our lives. Then he looks at this room and we go, oh, that's the kids' room. That's the kids' room. Um, You can't go in there. The reason you can't go in there, Jesus, I can't actually say what you will find in there. There could be toys, there could be clothes. There could be clothes that have actually been there for months on end that haven't been removed. And worse, there could be food, and with that, cockroaches, rats, maybe even wild dogs. Jesus, you're not coming into that room. Jesus, again, we have this to and fro. Jesus, yes, I am, I'm here to help you clean. <coughs> we go, no, you're not welcome. Jesus goes, yes, that's what I'm here to do. And eventually, we, again, we, we give in and we give him this part of our life. And then we come to the master bedroom. But in the master bedroom, we have our closet, walk-in robe, whatever you got at home, whatever you imagine. 
And, and eventually, we, Jesus gets to our bedroom. We go, we, we go through that yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And Jesus comes in and he sort of has this pace here. And Jesus goes, what is this? He goes, that's, that's, that's mine. That's, that's my space. Jesus, you, you don't want to see what's in there. You, you, don't, you don't want to go in there. Because, and, and God, I don't want to give that to you. I don't, I don't want to surrender that. I, I feel I'll be lost if I, I give that to you. I, feel, I'll, I might feel ashamed if you know what was in that space. Jesus, that, that's my last bit. And, and, and then you say to Jesus, Jesus, if I give you that space, I might as well give you the deed to the whole house. And Jesus goes, you're getting it now. Jesus wants this space too. He wants all of it. And he says to us, if I can't have that space, if I can't have everything, I won't have anything. And some of us live and we give him spaces, but we don't give him everything. And this is why when we understand that it is about having God in us, God in us is about surrendering to God and giving him all of ourselves. And that's why the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, understanding who he is and what he does, it's not a doctrine of power. It's not about what's in it for me in that sense. It's about me surrendering to him. It's about me surrendering to what God wants to do. You see, when, when we are saved... That, that happens at the front door of the house. It happens up here. But if I'm ever going to see the Holy Spirit truly work in my life and change my life, it happens at the door of the bedroom cupboard. That's where it happens. Because this is not a doctrine of power, but it's a doctrine of surrender. And we need to know that the power of the Holy Spirit is never ours and never will be. The power belongs to the Holy Spirit. Now the great thing, he lives in us if we allow him to work. Our job is not to be powerful, our job is to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit who is the all-powerful God of heaven. And because the God of heaven lives in you, he wants you to surrender to him. And when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, when we surrender to God in me, the world can change, or at least the world around me can change. When, I, when we surrender to God in me, then God can do so much more through my life than I ever once dared dream. But it comes from surrender. It does not come from power. Is this something that you would pray about? Is this like letting go of this space in your life, something that you'd be willing to consider before God? Are you willing to surrender? Now, for some of you, you may still be at the point where Jesus has just got your living room. So some of you might even have Jesus on the porch still out the front of the front veranda saying, I'll bring a cup of tea out to you there, Jesus. I'll let you on the veranda. The dogs mightn't let you inside the house. So I'm just going to leave you right there. But either way, this is the picture. God wants the entire place. He wants our entire heart. He wants our entire life. Now, you might want to say, no, I, I want to learn what it is to overcome and to face these struggles. Now, this is how you overcome. You overcome by surrendering to the Holy Spirit and he surrenders for you. 
What's stopping you from surrendering your life to him? To the God who lives in you, who wants us to surrender all of us to his will, to his way and to his power. We're going to be talking more about this in the coming weeks, more about what the role of the Holy Spirit is in us uh, and, he, and he is doing. But remember, it starts with this point of surrender to him. If that doesn't happen, all, we've, all we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to increase knowledge, knowledge that doesn't actually work because it comes about by having the Spirit, the God living in me and following his will. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord, we, we thank you that um, you have sent the advocate, the counsellor, the comforter, the Holy Spirit to live in us, to teach us all things and to remind us of everything that you have done. And so, Lord, as we, um, as we meet here today, I pray that you would do a work in our lives even now where you would be reminding us of, of those areas that we are not letting you in. I pray that we'd be willing to let you in that next stage of our lives, whether we are opening up all of our lives to you or just more of our lives to you, Lord. Let it be a, a process, a journey that we take. And let us understand by, it's by surrendering to you the all-wise, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the all-present God, by surrendering to you is that we will know your strength, we will know your, your, your grace, we will know your presence Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that will give us so much confidence to live each day for you, no matter what is on our radar, Lord. Why? Because you are bigger than anything that we face in our life. Because we have a God who is so large that we cannot comprehend you in full. I'm thankful to having a God who is bigger than me. I pray that as we go into this week that you would, you would give us our awareness of your presence as we live each step for you. Amen. Amen.